Hello, and welcome to the Infinite Creators Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am your host, Chloe, and I want you to know that my intention behind this podcast is and always will be to expand your heart and your mind and help you discover new ideas, thoughts, and ways of being. I hope that with each episode, you leave this space feeling inspired, filled with love, and ready to take action in creating a life that is worth living. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope that you enjoy this episode. Everyone, thank you so much for joining me the podcast today. I'm having a really unique uh, guest today, I think, because a lot of people don't but we're going to be talking all about iridology, um, the study of the eye and how that affects everything in your body and how it can be a mirror to everything happening in your body. And I've gotten connected with a lovely lady named Haley, and she's been working with iridology and studying iridology and practicing iridology for many, many years. And I'm really looking forward to interviewing her and having her share all of her knowledge with you guys. So you can be more in tune with this, um, healing, what would you call it? Like a healing modality, I guess, (laughs) a healing alternative healing, um, practice. And it's going to be really, really good episode. So I'm excited for you to tune in and welcome Haley. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. I'm myself am excited to make this interview. So, um, but before we get into all things about the eye, I would love to ask you what your favorite self-development practice is of lately or morning routine or something, anything along those lines. I love that question. And <clears throat> when you sent it and I read it, the first thing that came to mind was mothering. Oh, that's so sweet. Do you not really get to have any type of morning routine with your, how many kids do you have? I just have one and I'm a single mom and he's three. And um, yeah, I don't have a lot of time to myself, but mothering is a, um, a deeply, wholly shifting self-development tool to say the least. (laughs) Totally. I don't have kids, but I do have a very challenging dog. (laughs) And (laughs) I swear she is going, she has made me, I will be a better mother because of her, because the amount of patience and unconditional love and forgiveness that she's taught me is something that I know I will be very grateful I learned from her when I have kids. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, patience is patience is always my word. <laughs> when I'm like, what am I learning? Patience. Yeah. <laughs> not being patient. Patience for, for being a, a parent, but especially a mother, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's beautiful. I've never gotten that answer before. So thank you. <laughs> um okay, so first I just want to say that I first For those of you, I'm assuming most of my listeners may not know iridology at all. Um, So we're going to get into that. But I first discovered iridology because I went back two years ago, 2000, I don't know, 2019, um, when I was living in Australia, I went to this like wellness 
like natural wellness conference or I guess it wasn't really like a festival, but kind of like a, yeah, just a wellness conference. And there was a bunch of booths of people like offering different healing modalities, like sound healing and um, different tuning forks and like all different types of amazing, like spiritual alternative healing modalities. And there was an iridologist there and instantly I was super intrigued by it. I was like, whoa, I mean, of course it makes sense that the eyes would be representative of our health, but I didn't know there was like a literal map on the eye that could guide you and tell you like what's what and what's going on inside. And so I booked a session with her at the festival. And then I went to an appointment with her and she took pictures of my eyes and I was amazed that from my eyes, she was able to like see that I was vegan and that like I wasn't consuming animal products. And she was telling me crazy things about like the asthma that I have and so many different things um, she was spot on about just by looking at my eyes, like kind of sharing with me all about my lifestyle based upon what she was seeing. And it was just so fascinating to me. So ever since I saw and met with her, I started paying more close or closer attention to my eyes and taking regular photos of my eyes and um, kind of taking her advice and what she told me in terms of my diet <clears throat> and what to be more um, conscious of. And now watching the journey of like my eyes change from really like dark hazel to like a lighter blue has been so amazing. And now whenever I see people or whenever I meet new people or I'm like having a conversation, I'm like trying to look at their eyes and I'm like, Oh, you got a lot of spots on there. Like, Oh, I can see you're really like stressed out. And, um, it's super fascinating. So now I'm just always wanting to learn more about it. And I got connected with Haley and I'm really excited for her to share all about iridology. So Haley, if you could give us like a a general description and like your, just your description or elevator pitch of iridology. I just want to honor all that you just shared. Cause that's amazing. <clears throat> that's so, um, so unique, so valuable that you have that depth of connection with your irises. That like means a lot to me. <laughs> and, um, and that maybe is those silly words, but that, Cause that's how I started too, in a way. And I, I want that for everybody. I want, <clears throat> wow, so many words coming out all at once. Um, I want everybody to connect with their eyes in that way. I mean, with iridology or not, like imagine if everybody looked into their own eyes that often, it's just like, we need that. <laughs> and just how much, uh, how much love is there and how much care and, and then to add in iridology, the fact that you've experienced your own eyes changing and witnessed them and made that connection is huge. That's so, um, that's so valuable. And um, I love that you're looking at them and still learning and growing and being excited by that. Um, <clears throat> so thank you. And yeah, so iridology is actually not really a healing modality technically because iridology is technically just the science of reading the eyes. But what I do and what a lot of people do is weave in all the other stuff. It's like, okay, so iridology is just the science and practice of reading the irises of the eyes. And then what can we do with that information? Can we support organs? Can we support nervous system? Can we support characteristics and emotions, right? 
Um, <clears throat> so iridology is just a science and it's reading and analyzing the irises of the eyes. So the irises are the colored part. <clears throat> there's the pupil, right? There's a whole eyeball, there's the pupil, there's the iris, which is that colored part. And then there's the white part, the sclera. Um, I look at all of it and there's a map, right? I'm gonna hold it up, but nobody really gets to see it. <laughs> but if you go to my website or send me an email or go to my Instagram, I will happily send everybody a little PDF that they can print off their own iris map that I've made. I have a small one like this um, available just for free. Just send me an email and then a large one um, this size. Um, and I correlated mine with the chakra colors because I really like the chakra system. And it's super simple. The right eye is the right side of the body. The left eye is the left side of the body. The top of the iris map is the top of the body. The bottom of the iris map is the bottom of the body. And then the center, right? The pupil and then the center um, aspects of the iris are the center of the body, right? Like the colon and internal organs. And an iridologist can assess the state of everything. <laughs> and it's maybe easier to just assess as an iridologist, just the physical things. But as you know, and probably all of your listeners know, there's no separation between the physical and the emotional and the spiritual and the mental. So you can literally assess everything. And what I tell my students in the course, which hopefully you will take, is that learning iridology is learning the universe, right? Because you are the universe. And so you're trying to capture the universe in the eyes so fast, every different microcosmic, macrocosmic, like the funnel is equally as big each way. So iridology is so vast. You can assess every aspect of the physical body, the blood, every organ, the lymph, the bones, the muscles, the nervous system, the constitutional makeup of that person, like how their physical body was knit together by the universe. Um, and then you can therefore tell about their emotions and then therefore their characteristics. And um, what I really like to assess is are the vulnerable points in somebody's body because it's really nice to support that. We all have something, right? We all have a vulnerable point. Nobody is singled out in that we don't have something physically or emotionally that we know is our thing. We all have that, right? And so to know what that is, is amazing and to support that and to see that through iridology is really amazing because ignorance is not bliss, right? So to see the root cause of things or your innate vulnerability is really amazing with iridology and how to support that. You can see the strengths also of a person characteristically, emotionally, mentally, physically. And um, you can assess any eye color, true blue, a mixed iris, true brown. Um, and yeah. That's perfect. I think even just that alone is probably mind boggling to people because on a very basic fundamental level, we've all always heard like eyes are the window to the soul, but I don't think we ever realize like the depth of that statement and how like our eyes really can tell us everything. And, and that's what's so, that's what I love about iridology and like what it brings to the realizations that it brings to people is that 
our bodies are so much more intelligent than we've ever been taught to believe. You know, like we learn about the human biology and we learn about the different body parts and this and that, but we don't really understand like the intricacies of our bodies and how deeply intelligent they really are and how they're always finding, our bodies are always finding ways to notify us like, hey, something's wrong here. Pay attention to this, you know? And if we just listen, if we just learn to really tune into the intelligence of our bodies using our eyes, using our nervous, our, our like different pressure points on our bodies, the way that we sweat, the way that we poop, the way that we pee, like all the things that our bodies are constantly doing and we could pay attention to that, then we could really, you know, have control and have a grasp on like how to heal ourselves and how to really look after ourselves and prevent disease from happening in the first place. Yeah. And to, to reflect and to, <clears throat> to only amplify exactly what you just said and the opposite too, to know what feels good and to know the cues of like our bodies, like, yes, please, more, please. Thank you. You know, um, Sometimes it's funny with Instagram, especially I've noticed people hyper-focus on what's wrong, you know, and they like hyper-focus on judgment and self-critiquing or critiquing others and, and focusing on detoxing, detoxing, detoxing and all this stuff. And, and um, yeah, we always want to focus on what's good because everything is good and nothing is bad. That's always a focus of my courses. Everything is good and nothing is bad an important motto to have and um and we are source we are creation we are god experiencing itself right and um yeah the body is fascinating all of creation is just so fascinating it's just so amazing and i'm learning something every day about the body <laughs> you know um i got the the rona i thought i could dance around it but my son got it from his father and of course i'm not going to stop kissing and sharing drinks with my son. Right. And so I got it a little bit and I, so I just coughed earlier and it was like this whole cosmic download on like, how are we coughing? What is this? How is my body, you know, doing this thing? It's just like the human body is just so amazing. And it has definitely been a main focus of mine. You know, I was a massage therapist right after high school and then studied naturopathy. And I just think the body is just so profound. It's so, so mystical how all of it just works and it houses our soul <laughs> as well. Yeah, it is amazing. And I'm on the same page as you every single day. I'm like thinking about new things about the body that I've never thought about. Like the other day I was getting really into fingerprints. Like I was just <laughs> amazed by fingerprints and went down this whole wormhole on Google, but, um, oh, nice. Uh, anyways, so I really want to know, cause I don't know the answer to this question. Where did iridology like first come from? Like who were the first like people to kind of pioneer this method of, you know, examining the body? There's documented proof of the Babylons of Teladia, which is like one of the first documented, like civilizations utilized it. I can't remember the year. It's in my iridology PowerPoint. Um, it's been around for forever. As long as we've had eyes, people have been, especially back then when you didn't, we didn't have as much stimulation and, and distraction. Of course, we recognize that the eyes, like, of course, imagine if we're just sitting in a field, we have nothing else. We're definitely aware of everything that's happening 
in our bodies, in our friends' bodies, and therefore in our eyes. Um, and then if you look in Egyptian tombs and on their statues, they have all sorts of detail on their iris markings, extreme detail, so they were very aware. Um, it used to be taught that iridology was in Chinese medicine and Ayurveda. However, um, those sciences come from true brown iris cultures and it's harder to see detail in a true brown iris without a magnification tool like we have now so they kind of put it to the side and use more tongue and pulse and things um but modern iridology started with this guy named ignaz and his father was a veterinarian supposedly i don't know if this is true but it's a great story but in the 1800s in poland i believe and this little boy's father was a veterinarian and his, he would bring in injured animals. So his dad brought in an owl one day and the owl had a broken wing and he noticed a huge marking on the owl's iris. And as the wing healed, the irises, the iris marking in that owl went away and changed. And then he noticed something similar with a horse. And so he started to, um, weave it all together in his own mind. And he made a map back then in the 1800s. You can, you can very easily find that map now. Just look it up. And, and then the Germans kind of were the first one after that to grasp it, but they focused mainly just on the physical body. It was very specific. Like if you look in their charts, their iris maps, it's only physical body things. <clears throat> and they did a lot of like minute details of like, okay, what was the cause of death? And what caused this and all, all of that. And then Dorothy Hall, from, who was from Australia, kind of took that under her wing, I think in the, I can't remember when in the nineties, but the mid nineties. And she wrote her book and she started weaving in the emotionality and the personality and the characteristics of how all of these things mean things. <laughs> and um, the Germans believed that, okay, well, you have a strong iris, then you're a strong person. If you have a weak iris, you're a weak a weak person and Dorothy Hall was like, no, 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 it's all good. <laughs> the the weak iris has the stronger personality. <laughs> and so she started bringing in that and then it came to the U S and that's when Dr. Bernard Jensen and then my teacher, Frida Sharon started taking it in and adding more and more elements of it. Um, so it's been around for forever, right? It really, really has. And then, and then it's just grown and grown since then and become more, more stabilized, I guess, and more accessible. Mm. Was there ever a point when it started gaining momentum that it kind of became like shunned? Like, like obviously it's always been used similar to herbal medicine. Like it's always been around for thousands and thousands of years. And then in like the early 1900s, it became really suppressed and shunned because of the pharmaceutical industry trying starting to take the stage um was iridology kind of like that like it was like this woo woo like all why what are people doing practicing this type of thing well even now if you wikipedia search iridology it says iridologists are it's a pseudoscience and they're like quackery type of a, a thing i think it said that in there recently um so it's still not valued um so much but definitely in the past five years it's like skyrocketed into I mean it used to be if I talked to people about iridology nobody ever knew what it was and now half of the people that I bring it up to are like oh yeah I've heard of that especially with Instagram but <clears throat> it, it went away probably the same time that 
herbal medicine did and the snake oils were starting to be the more focus and the money-making things were the more of the focus. Um, but it was, ne- it has never been as popular as herbal medicine. So it was never known enough to have to shun enough, you know, with the same velocity as herbal medicine. Mm, yeah, I'm I'm so excited to watch it evolve over the next years and just really bring a ton of light to this because I just think it's so empowering for people to be able to have this connection, like you said in the beginning, to their eyes and even be able to acknowledge what's happening in their body and have, you know, spend more time looking deeply into your eyes and making that connection to yourself. Um, where did you first learn or like what got you into iridology? Was there like a moment where, you know, like, what's the story? Yeah, I've had a really, a really auspiciously blessed journey with learning and my teachers. And somehow there's always been this voice in me saying, follow that, follow that. And it's loud and it's clear and I don't resist it. And especially with the things I'm learning, I don't know why. And um, so I did massage therapy school right after high school. I didn't know why. I just knew I liked it. I wanted to do that. And then before graduating massage therapy school, I had just had this voice that was like, you should probably also study something else because you can't do massage therapy forever because it's really taxing. So figure something else out. And I went to this lady. She was amazing. She was my reflexology and my shiatsu and pathology teacher. And I'm not exaggerating. She was like four foot 11 nowhere near a hundred pounds and just straight bone and muscle. And she would literally teach in horse pose. And I only saw her eat sprouts. And I was like, Gail, what should I study next? And she just looked up from her desk and was like herbs and went back to work. And I was like, okay. So then that night I went home and researched herbal medicine schools in Colorado and two came up and I emailed Farida's school, Farida Sharon's school. She emailed me back right away and I was like, okay. <laughs> so I just enrolled in her school and I wanted the full thing, which is a, natura- a naturopath or naturopathy diploma. And so in that naturopathy diploma was natural medicine and naturopathy, healing diets, nutrition, herbal medicine, master herbalist, more on reflexology, essential oils, flower essences, and then neurology. <laughs> I knew nothing about it. And at that time, I also thought astrology, like I knew about astrology, but I thought it was woo woo. And so I, she, when I first came to Farida, part of it is just like, you're her student and you're her patient. So she just heals you and you just do what she says. At least I did. I was so young. I was 17 and 18. And so I just did what she said without any resistance. I was like, okay, I'm here. I'm learning. And, um, so she looked at my eyes. I didn't have any thought around it. And, um, and then came my first iridology class. And this was after the healing diets and the herbal medicine. So this is later on. I studied with her for seven years. So this was later on. And I literally came to my first iridology class going like, okay, well, this is fake, but I have to take it to get my diploma. So I'm here. And she really had the focus, which is what I do in my course, is start with your own eye. So we learned about iridology and then I learned through my eyes what the markings meant. And I had such a connection with my body at that time that I was like, holy, oh my gosh, this is so valuable. This is so accurate. That's markings in my spleen. That's exactly what I feel in my spleen. This is how I am. Like I had such a depth of understanding of my physical body after a whole year of massage therapy. And and then this whole 
years of healing diets and nutrition and herbs with her that I was like, well, there's absolutely no way this is not true because my eyes say this and I know that this is happening in my body. And, um, and then it's just history from there. Wow. That's so cool. I love that you had like your own skepticism in the beginning. And then immediately when you started learning about it, you're like, oh, this actually makes perfect sense. Why did I ever doubt this? (laughs) That's amazing. And so when was that? How many years ago was that? Um, Seven, eight, no more than that. 10, (laughs) 10 or 11, something like that. Amazing. And now it's your full-time, full-time gig. (laughs) Yeah. And it's nice. I've been able to add in iridology since I was 18 and 19. Um, Maybe no more 19 Um, because I, I haven't worked for anybody else in a long time. I worked for a chiropractor and I worked at a spa in massage therapy school and right after massage therapy school. But since then, since I was 18, 19, I've only worked for myself. And so I've been able to be with clients and just, you know, weaving in whatever I wanted to, however I wanted. So yeah, it's been a, <clears throat> a long time of connecting, connecting with people on eyes. And I've done it all over the world in many different ways. I've taught workshops, you know, festivals. I'm from Boulder. So it's like everything was always a lovely community festival. And, and um, yeah, and I've taught it all over the world as well. Amazing. Yeah. I would love to know if you can share, or if you can think of like some broad examples or something that really stands out, but just to get all of the listeners attention, what are some like crazy stories you've had? Like once you started reading eyes and like helping people make the connection between like markings on their eyes and what's going on in their body. Is there anything that really stands out to you? It's funny when you send that question, I was like, every, every single time, Every, and I'm not exaggerating, every single time somebody's like, wow, yeah, that's amazing. I didn't know that you could tell that. Or how did you know? Um, just because it's it's that it's that direct and it's that instant of a check-in with somebody's body. Um, this one I share, so you'll hear it again, but this one's a pretty, this one has like a lot of weight to it to people. But there was this woman that came to my house, she's so lovely. She had a huge pigment in her right breast area. And as you'll learn in the course, we always want to talk about everything with curiosity and love. You would never want to say, oh, you have a huge pigment in your right breast. You have a tumor. What are you doing about it? Be really scared. You know, Um, we never, ever want to do that ever about anything. That's terrible, terrible thing to do. Um, So I saw that and said, what is your relationship with your right, right breast? And she said, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer and my sister. And I actually just had a biopsy on my right breast done last week. And I get the results tomorrow. And um, we just did a lot of healing and it came back mm, benign. And um, that's just an amazing one. You know, a very quick recognition one time a woman my favorite marking in the irises is called the ring of nourishment and it tells us about our connection to the soul and it's the marking that connects invisibly and subtly connects the iris to the pupil right so that the pupil is god the pupil is source whatever we call it it is the center of all of everything that we are but 
it is, right? It's what connects us. And so that's the pupil, which is why it looks so good when we stare at the pupil of somebody else. It's like, hey, right? Um, so the space between the iris, where the iris and the pupil meet, is called the ring of nourishment. And in a, because the iris is the individual, the iris is this self, right? And then we have it in this flesh suit. So where the two meet tells us about that individual's connection to their soul, to their self, the little s and the big s self. And in a person where that connection is really honored and valued and is strong, you can't see a ring of nourishment, but in a person where they're not listening to their soul for whatever reason, we all have reasons as to how and why that can happen in varying degrees, right? Of course. Um, but in somebody that's not listening, it's thicker and jagged. <clears throat> and so I was chefing at a yoga retreat many, many years ago. And I just offered iridology just all the time. That's what I did. If anybody ever wanted it, I always had my stuff. Um, and so I looked in her eyes and was like, is there something? Cause she had a thick ring of nourishment, which again tells us there's a separation and a disconnect. And I said, what is it? that your soul's wanting you to do that you're not doing. And she just immediately started crying and said, the ocean, I need to go to the ocean. <laughs> and that was a really sweet story. Um, on and on. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I, I didn't know that about that. What is it called? The ring of nourishment? It's also called the pupillary rough or the pupillary margin. Mm. That's amazing. I didn't know about that. And going back to that woman who had the, she had a tumor in her breast, right? And that was represented on her right eye, like in the area that represents, just so people are clear that are listening, like that would have been represented on the eye on the right side. And it showed up as like a color, like a brown color or a spot. Well, I do want to say this with discernment because <clears throat> not all markings are created equal and they all mean something different. Um, in how that person's body is alchemizing. So I have pigments and spots all in my irises. Do I have cysts and tumors everywhere? No, right? Mm -hmm. um, but in her instance and how her body was and what she was and wasn't doing in, the, in those moments and the size of it and the color um, and the location, for her, it did mean that there was a cyst. And yes, it was like a big, like a freckle pigment. That's amazing. Well, not amazing, but amazing that you were able to tell that. And then she got her results back. And were you helping her like at that point, like as the, with the advice you were giving her, you were helping her like re find ways to reduce that. Mm -hmm. And then she, I believe she moved somewhere and just went off the map for a while and healed. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. That's such a cool story. Um, what was it? Let me see. What is, um, something that you see very common in a lot of people that you think can easily be like addressed or seen in the eye? I think pigments are an easy one to see, mm. um, cause you either have them or you don't, and they're just an easy marking to see another marking that's easy to see. Um, I can talk about two. One that's really easy is your colon. So the mm -hmm. colon is in every body and every person. It's a circle that's around the pupil, <clears throat> kind of 
a third of the way between where the pupil ends and then the last edge of the iris and in every person that's there. And that represents the colon, the large intestine and the small intestine as well, and the stomach. So the whole digestive tract. And ideally, you want it to be a perfect circle. Mm -hmm. If it's not, um, you can tell exactly the shape of the colon by the shape of that circle. And and you want to look at a map when you're doing it, but you can tell the ascending colon, the transverse colon, and the descending colon. So wherever it's not that correct shape, it could be ballooned or spastic, or it could have little bowel pockets, um, or it could be prolapsed. You can just tell a lot about the shape of the colon. And then ideally that colon shape is the same color as the rest of your eye, if not lighter. When it's darker, it tells us that there's acidic congestion of some varying degree in in the colon. And then another one that's really easy to see too, and maybe even easier than assessing the colon is the skin. So the skin is the last layer on us. So then it's the last layer on the iris, right? The, the last space between the iris and the sclera. And so you can see pretty easily on a lot of people, if that area is thick or darker, it tells that their skin is a little bit congested. Um, among all sorts of other things it, it says, but that's an easy one. And then, right, so if the colon is out of shape, massage it back to shape. Do castor oil packs. Um, you know, the sky's the limit about what you can see in the in the colon, in the irises, and then what to help. And then a thick skin ring, dry skin brushing, hot and cold showers, eliminating toxins from your beauty products and wearing natural fiber clothes, um, being naked in the sunshine or just in the sunshine, getting fresh hair on your skin. Those are some easy markings to see and um, easy, easy remedies. Mm. And the skin one is the very outer circle of the skin, mm-hmm. you said? Like, the, like kind of like an outline of the iris. And you'll either see it or you're, or you're not. Like on mine, look, if I get close, you can see it a little bit, especially mm-hmm. on that bottom quadrant um and so some people in their eyes it's thicker in some areas or thinner some people don't have it at all so that just tells that you that their skin is healthy and doing a good job um it can be pretty thick or or even a little bit thin Mm, that's really interesting i didn't know that either Hey everyone, I wanted to interrupt this conversation really quickly because after hearing Haley talk about our eyes ring of nourishment and how our daily life choices clearly reflect the health of our body's spirit, I wanted to share about an app that I've been using recently to help me create that nourishing connection to my body and most importantly, my breath. It's become really obvious over the years that small changes to our breathing has a huge impact on how we feel, and the Breathwork app is awesome because it makes those changes really easy with simple science-based exercises that are helping millions of people wake up, calm down, increase stamina, and fall asleep faster. The app combines mind and body health into one small practice, so you can do it in as little as 60 seconds, which is amazing because it's going to work a lot faster than meditation and it doesn't require any special skills or prior experience. Within the app, you'll find a wide variety of breathing exercises from ones that are suited for your morning routine or midday and also for nighttime. I've tried so many different apps and In my seven years of practice, this one is definitely my favorite. 
You can try it for yourself if you'd like by visiting breathworkwithoutthe slash Chloe for a free 30-day trial to Breathwork's entire content library. And if you end up loving it as much as I do, you can stay on the app for an entire year for less than 20 bucks. So that's breathwork, B-R-E-A-T-H-W-R-K.com slash Chloe, and you can start your free 30-day trial today. And I'll also put the link in the show notes below so you can check it out after this episode is over. Thanks for listening. And now back to Haley. Do you think that depending on whether someone is like, depressed or really, really happy, like feeling really good, like very mentally sound that in what ways does that affect the eye? Does it make them brighter or dimmer or how does that work? Mm, I think overall it makes our eyes look brighter when we're feeling more peaceful and more happy. Though if you have too much white in your eyes, that can be hyperinflammation. So I wouldn't necessarily say like brighter, whiter, but just the essence of brightness you can feel, right? And we know that when we're tired or hungover or whatever that hangover word means, you know, we can feel that, we can see that um, in our own eyes. When we cry, like for me, um, all my maladies come from not emoting enough and holding it in. And I just am every single time I ball my eyes out, I look in the mirror and I'm just every single time I'm blown away how much brighter my eyes are. It just... And just confirmation. It's stuff I already know, but it just every time is so cool to see that. Like, just let all that go <laughs> off your soul and out of your body and out of your eyes. Totally. I I want to ask you about also the because something that I got a lot, or when I started sharing like the transition of my eyes, or even telling like family members or my mom, like my eyes are literally changing colors. My mom or my aunties would be like, your eyes aren't changing colors. Like you're just whatever, like it's a different lighting in the photo or what have you. But, um, is that something that you see really often when the eyes are changing, like from one color to a totally different color? Well, it's a little bit hard to capture with photos. So a lot of iridologists believe that the irises don't change and it's simply because they're not taught about natural healing. Like the, the only um, current association that's like recognized and has structure to their certifications courses is called the IIPA. And I love them. They're teaching great things. However, I never signed up with them, so to speak. And my courses aren't certified through them because they don't think that the irises change. Um, but they also don't teach about in the way that I teach with the holistic aspect of it, right? The whole holistic aspect. Um, and I know, I mean, Frida, that was her main thing is see it in the eyes. And if it needs changing, change it and watch it change. So my eyes went from dark forest green, browns and oranges to now this like lighter sea foam. And even they went completely blue for a couple of years and then, I had kind of a challenging last Saturn return and they got a little bit darker and now they're lightening, lightening back up. So I've seen the whole spectrum, but it is more challenging to see that with photos. So the more you can see it in the flesh, it's just much easier to tell. Um, I think I answered your question, but yes, the iris is hundred percent change. I've seen it. Like it's, it's always so fascinating. Um, and uh, my mom's eyes used to be brown 
and she doesn't have a true brown iris. It's different when you have a true, like the lineage is the true brown, which is two complete different human species, a true brown iris and a true blue. So she did not have a true brown. She had a true blue and they were dark brown. And now they're kind of like how mine were when I started. And same with my grandma, that they both had like black eyes and now they're like light green. Um, and my dad's has got, have gone the opposite. So love my father with all my every cell in my body. And he's chosen to have like a lot of pharmaceuticals. So you can see that, that other, the other route of them changing colors and getting darker even. Wow. Yeah. When you say, that's what I was going to ask you next, but you kind of answered it. But when you say true brown eyes, there are people that of course, like do have brown eyes and regardless of the changes they make in their diet or their lifestyle, their eyes will stay brown obviously the markings and the lightness of them will change, but there are people that have, that appear to have brown eyes, but underneath all of the markings and the congestion or whatever it is, it is possible that they could change to blue or to like a light green. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there's also a hybrid of a true brown eyed lineage, having a baby with a true blue, and that creates a true mixed. So they can definitely get lighter, but they would never get to fully blue, like fully rock Christina. You would think like, okay, well, her eyes have lightened. Why aren't they? so many people are like, why aren't they blue? It's like, well, she doesn't have a true blue iris. She has a true mixed iris. So her eye, the goal is never for it to be completely blue. That's not who she is, but definitely a true blue iris at its purity, I guess, is a, a, a way you could phrase it is completely blue. Right. Um, but it can show up as all sorts of different colors. It can show up as brown. Right. So we never want to assume that somebody has a true brown iris just because they have a brown iris. Or we never want to assume that somebody has a true mixed iris because it looks really mixed. It could very well be a true blue iris with all these painted colors on top. Mm. Is there a way for you to tell, like, let's say someone had a true blue iris, but their eyes weren't blue at that time when you were reading them, could you tell just by looking at them, like, oh, this isn't a true brown iris, your eyes are actually blue? Or would it take like some working and detoxing and stuff to get to that point? Um, I can tell because a true brown iris is a completely different essence of brown. Mm. Um, it's more velvety than, and just, it's completely brown. It just has a completely different look and feel, texture. And then the person is just so different um, than a, a true blue with brown colors on top. Now, the tricky one is identifying if, if, it, if it's a true mixed iris or a true blue iris. Um, and with that, if I can't tell, I can generally tell because I've been doing this for so long, you know, but the way I solidify it is I ask their DNA and not just what did your grandma tell you? But like, what did a test tell you is your, is your lineage and your ancestry and your DNA. And from that, because just certain lineages have true brown irises um, or true blue. Um, so with that, of finding out, seeing their test results or them telling me, I can definitely determine if they're a true mixed iris or a true blue iris. Wow. That's fascinating. And then at that point, if someone was so they had a true blue iris, but it was showing as brown or kind of clouded or whatever. How, where would you start and like help? Like, cause at that point, like there's obviously a lot of not wrong because nothing's <laughs> a lot wrong, but like a lot of things that they could do to help start shifting the, 
the colors of that eye? Like, where would you start? Like, what is the main thing causing it to represent as brown when their eyes are actually blue? Um, Obviously, that's a very loaded question because it's dependent on every person, but generally speaking. Yeah, well, the last the last question you just asked was a little more specific is what's causing that brown color? And the brown color is caused from a congested liver, a yellow color making it green, right? If it's, a, if it's blue and then it has yellow is caused from congested kidneys and then orange is congested pancreas. Um, so that's where it's coming from. Um, what should a person work on? Totally depends. Maybe they just need to work on being more peaceful with their mind and starting with their mind. Some person, some people might need to focus more on their body. It's, it's, we always want to meet somebody where they're at. We never want to think that we have all their answers. They have the answers. We just hold space for them without even holding space, you know, to just, um, remember, and, um, but always the way that we heal the physical body and the emotional body, as far as with focusing on the physical body is we always want to start with the elimination organs. So the liver, the kidneys, the bowels, the lungs and the skin, and maybe even the lymph as well. Those are always the main pathways, especially the liver. Some of these to focus on, um, healing, strengthening, purifying one organ, it should be always be the liver because that's the most important organ. Mm. And how is the, at this point is when you start to suggest or implement like more of an herbal medicine approach, or do you do that through diet or how's the best way to like create a detox for the liver or purifying the liver? Um, so if somebody books, uh, an emailed analysis, with me, which is the cheapest thing that I offer and not my favorite because I don't get to go super deep, but somebody sends me their iris photos and I help them. I just throw it all at them <laughs> via email, I'm like this, 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 and this, you know, um, I try to give them as much as I possibly can, but not overwhelm them, you know, just try to offer it all up. Um, and it always includes herbal medicine, it always includes diet, and it always includes therapies um, to do on yourself at home or with another person um, in some fashion. And um, yeah, it totally depends. Um, and every person is different. Some people already have experience with herbal medicine. And so they already got that. They're really now just working on food. And so how can we harness food? <laughs> or they've never experienced herbs. They don't even really know about herbs. They don't know where to start. I tell them to go outside and find out what's growing around them, you know, or just start drinking teas all day, every day, these teas, you know, um, generally red raspberry leaf is the tea. I have people just always drink it all the time. Um, but yeah, it totally depends. I just really like to meet people where they're at and, and, um, strengthen the areas that they need strengthening and inspire them in the areas that they're already rocking it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I can't wait to have another read. I should have you do another reading for me. Cause I have some things going on in my eyes. I'm like, I need to get this sorted and work this out. Um, yeah. And analysis is included in the course too. So you get to, you get like a really, really in-depth analysis when you sign up for the course as well. Amazing. And if someone was just 
starting out with like they listen to this podcast and they want to know more about iridology. I know it's kind of hard to find, like it's not so common to find everywhere. What are good resources to kind of look to and start exploring? I don't really recommend Instagram for any medical advice, even though (laughs) I have an Instagram that I hope people go to for medical advice. But like Instagram (laughs) is not a, a wisdom keeper in overall. Um, so I don't recommend looking too much into iridology via Instagram because there's a lot of stuff you have to filter out that's just not accurate. Um, on my website, I have a whole page on what iridology is. So there's a whole great description. I also have two beginners classes that are like $30, I think. And um, they're pre-recorded classes. Both are intro classes. One is more of a beginner's and one is more of an advanced. And then I also have a course, which is a 12-week certification course. The next one starts March, I think, 18th. And it's once a week, super in-depth, two-hour videos each week. You have homework and books you have to read and tons of case studies. Books are really where it's at for most information, right? So my favorite is by my teacher, Frida Sharon, and it's called Iridology, A Complete Guide. Um, Books by Dorothy Hall, she has one, is really amazing. And Dr. Bernard Jensen has some amazing books. His are a little bit drier, so I really like um, the more whole-approached feminine languaging of Dorothy Hall and Frida Sharon. And um, those are some great places to start. Amazing. I can't wait to fill my library with some of those. And for those of you listening, I can put um, links or I can write out the titles that that Haley just listed. Um, Would you say that having a knowledge of the eye and or having an iridology reading could be something that could be used as like a preventative measure for disease or sickness of of any kind? Yeah. The whole reason I teach iridology is because I really wish everybody, like I wish that this was just mainstream and this was just what everybody knew. I wish all people had access to <laughs> iridology. Imagine if we all did, we didn't have to waste all of this time on other stuff because iridology is without any lightness, only depth to what I'm saying. It immediately tells you the root cause of every single thing. So if you're trying to prevent something, you instantly get to see where your weaker points are and where your vulnerability, therefore your aging and disease pathways are and how to support those so that they don't take hold in your life, regardless of your age. And um, yeah. So with iridology and encompassing holistic medicine, you can prevent everything. And then you can also heal everything um, because you can, you can see it from the root cause, but Imagine if we learned this as children, you know, we would all be our own doctors and we would all, we would be independently healthy. We would be sovereign. We would um, be able to take charge of all of it. And it's so simple. You don't need anything. (laughs) You might need a mirror. You might need a flashlight or you might need a friend. You can so simply see the eyes so easily. Um, I definitely want everybody, everybody to know about this. Mm. Yeah. I feel passionate about learning and sharing it and just giving people that opportunity to empower themselves and like feel like their health 
and their connection to their body is in their hands, you know, like we're so reliant in the system and the world that we live in upon someone else telling us like what's going on with our body when like who knows better of what's going, who should know better of what's going on in our bodies than, than we do, you know, of course. And now we're even like taking tests to like tell us whether or not we're sick. It's like, shouldn't you know whether or not you're sick? Like, are, do you feel sick? You know? Um, so yeah, like really, I love the, the practice of studying your eye and iridology because it's empowering people to learn more about their body and create that connection to their body so that they know what's going on inside of their body. Yeah, it really takes our power back. And we've had a lot of giving away of the power. You know, you look at the American way, right? And it was so smart and so lovely to go to the doctor and to trust your doctor, but we can't do that now. We never really have been able to, um, but it's, it was normalized and encouraged to give your power away, right? To somebody else. And we have to take that back. Of course we can seek out other people for reflection or just help and reach in hard to reach places or something, you know, but we need to have that power. We need it. We waste time when we don't have our power in that way. Um, yeah, it's so important. Mm. And I think it's important to remember as well is that in this dis- rediscovery of these different healing techniques and iridology and herbal medicine and sound healing and all these different things that in some people's eyes are really considered like woo woo or like an alternative thing. It's like, we need to shift the paradigm that we're living in to like, this is the first form of healing. This is the mm-hmm. first place to look place to start. And then if, if that doesn't work or if all else fails, like then we can, you know, take like a more modern approach if needed. Of course, there's like Western medicine has its place, but it's always should be this, like this should be the foundation of where we start, where we look, where we build upon and then, okay, where can, where can we go from here? You know? And we think we, what we want to trust our doctors. We want to like look to a doctor, but the sad truth is, is that like most doctors, all doctors in the Western medicine field are learning from a flawed system. I think maybe that's an opinion based, but um, yeah. And just, and recognizing that because it's not the, the doctor's fault. It's not like they're trying to create havoc or they're not wanting to share this information with us about iridology or herbal medicine or, you know, this, that, and the other, it's just that they don't know any better. And so now it's up to us to like return to that place of knowing and use the body's intelligence and really tune into that. Yeah. It's, um, we all, we can all be a flavor of goodness or naughtiness, you know, it's the same with doctors. They can be naughty and know that they're selling snake oil and making a profit off you coming back and back and buying and blah, blah, blah. Or they might be ignorant, but neither one is really better. (laughs) You know, they're not taught MDs are not taught nutrition or herbal medicine. They're taught the pharmaceuticals and emergency medicine, and that's their scope of practice. And sometimes that's great, you know, Um, sometimes that's needed. And, but yeah, the alternative medicine 
phrase is not appropriate to the medicine that's always been and always will be. It is just the, and the other stuff is the alternative, you know, and, and it is all here in this, in this uh, realm. So we should lean on it. And, you know, I personally don't believe that we should need to have the tests and the, you know, all of that of the allopathic medicine, but if some, if it helps somebody, if it helps you have your peace to go get a test or an ultrasound or, or whatever, then the peace is what matters the most. Um, but we don't need it. It's all with iridology and natural medicine. It's all there. It's all already confirmed. And as long as we're taking proactive steps, it's all okay and it's all good. And we're all going to die always. <laughs> anyway, so we have this strange fascination to. How much can I not die? <laughs> yes, the fear of death is paralyzing to many. Um, I just thought of something that I forgot to ask. So I want to circle back to the eye, the eyeball. <laughs> um, when you do your eye readings, is there a lot that can be said in the, forgive me, what's the white part of the eye? Sclera. Sclera. Is there a lot that can be said or that you take away when doing readings from that part of the eye as well, in addition to the iris? Yeah, I utilize it a lot. There's a lot of different markings. Um, I use like the red blood vessels as little arrows that point to different parts in the iris. Mm. A lot of blood vessels are not good. Ideally, we don't really have any, right? Healthy eyes look really white <laughs> and that's a good sign. So the other the red blood vessels mean a lot, like not enough oxygen present in the cells, which comes from food or lifestyle or breathing or obstructions of some kind. And then also the pterygiums are a really common one the form that doctors say is from sun exposure, but it's not, it's from diet and the condition of the liver and the heart and too much excess in the diet of certain foods. Um, so yeah, I definitely use the sclera. Mm. Is that the, is that a really sensitive part of the eye? Like would it show what it, where would it represent first usually, or does it not? Is it like in conjunction with one another? Like would it represent in the white part first and then the iris or the iris and then the, I keep forgetting the name. <laughs> sclera. Um, I would say the sclera would be secondary most likely that's definitely where I look secondarily but but it's all yeah it totally depends on the individual I would say mm. okay um anything else that you feel excited about sharing or that is really fascinating or fun fun facts about iridology sure it works for all creatures dogs cats um the map is a little bit different <clears throat> with anything stretched farther past a cat or a dog or a horse or a bunny or a fish, but you can see all of it. It's all very similar um, in all of those creatures and children as well. I always learned that you can start observing the iris of a child that's six months and older. But when I had a child, I was stared in his eyes from day one <laughs> and from two months and older, you can start to see their own individual markings because at first it's just a pure crystalline smooth slate surface it's so psychedelic and then at two months the markings start to appear which is really amazing um so iridology works for everybody um yeah if anybody has any more questions definitely reach out to me i'm always more than happy to blab my face off about anything and <clears throat> definitely check out my instagram i have lots of educational 
posts on there. And I used to do more, but it kind of started getting boring to me. And it's important to stay in your joy, right? And um, so I've shifted up how I've done that. Um, and um, even though I'm not very active on my Instagram, it's just because I'm a single mom and social media isn't my favorite. <laughs> I like to be more and not on a phone or a computer. Um, so yeah, but reach out to me anytime about anything, email, phone, Facebook, Instagram, definitely check out my courses and my readings and the way that I offer. I'm happy to share. I love to share. Thank you to everybody that supports me as well. It keeps me, keeps me and my baby housed. <laughs> yes. Amazing. I'll be sure to link your Instagram and website and all the things. And if you are interested in getting an iridology reading, obviously you could reach out to Haley and she has some courses, which I'm looking into taking in the spring, which I'm really excited for. Um, and then, well, really quick question on that. You just mentioned if I were to have you do a reading for my dog's eyes, you could do that. Definitely. Yeah. Wow, I didn't. I mean, it makes sense, of course. Why would dogs or animals be separate from humans? But um, that's amazing. Good to know. <laughs> I'd be so curious to know, like, what you take away from that. Yeah, it's a little bit hard. I'm always like, how did you get that picture of your dog's eye? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would definitely be a tricky task for me, given what a psychopath my dog is. But. <laughs> <laughs> amazing well this has been super informative Haley and I hope that all of you listening have gained a lot from this or at least it's opened a portal of curiosity for you um my last question for you for every guest on the podcast is what is your definition of love <clears throat> my definition of love is love is love is <laughs> simple and sweet <laughs> I love that um okay thank you so much Haley <laughs> you're welcome thank you this was lovely I look forward to chatting with you more and so many blessings <laughs> That concludes this episode for today. I acknowledge you for taking the time out of your day to expand your level of awareness with me. I really hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, I encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe. Also, if you choose to share it on your Instagram story, feel free to tag me at infinite.creators and let me know what you loved about it. If you wrote a review, don't forget to screenshot it and email it to me so I can send you a free copy of my cookbook or my dream life workbook. Thank you again so much for listening. Your support means the world to me, and I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your day. <laughs>